Good morning, good morning. I am Todd Brinker. This is Back from the Brink here and will be joining us shortly. You know, I've been sitting here at my computer for a while this morning doing the radio show and then coming back here, and I've got a little bit of a nit to pick. It just frustrates the heck out of me when somebody who writes an application, and this is true from the, the big vendors to the little vendors, and you'll say you click on a search bar. You say, I want to search. So you do the key command or you do the button to search, and then you have to click in the space to start typing. It's like if I just clicked on a button that says I want to do a search or I want to uh, title a show or I want to do if I've clicked on that put the cursor right there in the place where I can just start typing why do I have to click and then see where I'm supposed to start typing and click there and then do it there's only one place to start typing when I want to do a search so when I type uh, for uh, bring up a search bar I want to be able to uh, immediately start typing and it's frustrating when that's not the case and you'd be shocked at how often it's not the case Doggone it. Software people understand how this is supposed to work. This is how people actually use computers. And don't go, well, all I have to do is click. Yeah, I don't want to click. Don't want to do it. I've already clicked. You know what I want to do? Why isn't my cursor already put into that space? And that's frustrating. And uh, if, if it's the operating system that's not letting you do it or, or if it's just bad programming, because a lot of times they, apps will do that. But some don't. And it's just, ugh. Come on, people, look at how people work and set up your software the right way. You know, and a minor gripe, too, by the way, I use, uh, I happen to use a, a Mac for most of my work here in my office. And uh, in the world of Mac, if you close down an app, the next time you launch it, it's supposed to remember where it was physically on the screen. So it goes back to that spot. It's so irritating when I launch a piece of software and it doesn't go back to that spot. It always goes back to the same spot, wherever the programmer originally put it. They hardwired in the location on the screen where it's supposed to go, and I don't want it there. So every time I launch the app, I have to get it and drag it back to where I want it instead of it just opening up where it was last. Again, programmers, people writing software, look at how the system is supposed to work. Look at how people use it. Fix those little things. It's just those little things that irritate the holy wumpus out of people. And they, you know, really consider looking for alternatives just because those little irritations. It's like that little, you know, burr in your sock that just annoys you all the time. Why on earth would you want somebody to to have that feeling about, you know, sometimes some really nicely done software that you spent a lot of time working on? Why would you not fix those little bitty things that make it work the way people expect it to. I don't understand that. That just seems like, um, you know, and, and I get it. When you're first launching the software, it's more important to have the big things like this software does this particular function. That function has to actually work on my software. Get the big things done first, but come back and fix the little things. Don't just stop and go, okay, it's good enough. It's not. It's really not, you know. And if you're somebody who's who's paid somebody else to develop the software for you, once you've got it up and going and you've got a, a little bit of income from it or, or you know, you're getting a little bit of uh, uh, use out of your software, then fix the little things. It's worth it. Fix the little things. I don't understand why people don't do that. It drives me crazy. Absolutely drives me crazy. So uh, if you were Republican planning on going to the Republican convention in Florida because 
you want to be there or you think that you are uh, going to be representing your state at the convention, guess what? You're not. They have canceled the convention. Um, Trump in the last 24 hours and or maybe 36 hours. We'll see how long it lasts and if I'm reading it right. But at least in the last uh, few hours, a uh, day and a half or so, has started to say wear masks and be aware that you can get sick. Here's Aaron. Let's have her join us. Good morning, Aaron. How are Hello, you? John. So, um, is it me, or has in the last like twenty-four to thirty-six hours, uh, President Trump been starting to say, "Wear a mask, be safe." He shut down the Republican convention today. He said, "We're just not going to do it. There's no reason to have a bunch of people gathering at this yes. time." Yes. It, it seems like it. I mean, he's still saying we should go back to school. Kids aren't that at risk. And I have issues with that. I had a, a long text conversation with my dad yesterday because he was saying that, uh, you know, California's all messed up deciding not to start their school, you know, send kids back to school. And I'm saying, yeah, but, you know, kids are fine, but there's kids come home to parents and grandparents. There's teachers and and uh, food workers and, and a bunch of other people, adults, who are very much at risk that work at those schools. Do you really want to have a giant body of, of you know, a thousand kids clumped in one place for hours every day and then sending them out to greet their families in the world. And, uh, I didn't get a response on that. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he, I'm sure he has one. Um, but he's but, formulating it as, he's, as we're waiting. Yeah. He's probably listening now going, I'll get you a response. You stupid kid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, uh, any my dad doesn't talk to me like that, but uh, you know, we, we have we have in our family we are opinionated and we and we have um, I don't want to say heated discussions, but we have impassioned discussions about lots of different things, and and there's not a whole lot that's off limits in terms of conversations in our family. Uh, you know, we hit the we hit all the big things that usually cause fights in a lot of com they don't cause fights in our family, but you know, we talk about uh, politics and religion and and uh, and a variety of things, and uh, and you know, it, if if in some family in some families that would mean you know people throwing punches and stuff. In our family, that doesn't happen, but we do we do have the I'm done talking. <laughs> yes, well, you know what I have to say, our um, aversion to talking about politics and religion, both of which are important topics, mean that we don't know how to talk about those topics, and so when when those topics become so much that you know they that they you can't stop yourself from talking about them then people are they don't know how to deal with it and right. i think that's where we are now yeah well and i think a lot of that you say our you mean our societal not necessarily our family like i was talking indeed, about indeed, but, indeed. I, but mean, I mean our, our right the united states yeah yeah i got that but i just wanted to clarify um but you know it's it's um what it, i think what it really boils down to is that it's really hard for most people to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you. And it's hard for most people to clearly express why they hold an opinion. And, you know? Well, yes. And, and I think... We had, if we had better conversations, they would have had time to suss out why they hold an opinion. Oh, I agree. I agree. If we had the skill set, you know, if more people had taken debate in high school... Um, they would they would get that this is you know uh, 
there's a game aspect to being able to have a conversation with somebody. If you take it that way, then you're not you're not quite so serious. Even though it's very serious topics, you don't take it personal. It's just you know this person has a, a an opinion and they're defending it. But you know what I mean. There's a lot of people when you talk to them and and you can just you know love them as a person and 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 yet they will have a completely opposing opinion to you and you say well you know why is it you feel that way and they well because you know that's the way it is i mean it's obviously that we you know they, they don't understand how to explain how they form the opinion they just you know yes. regurgitate what they heard on okay. the news or something and basically what what it is is it boils down to because i heard it on the news and i believe what they said and we've already talked about how much we trust the news on both both sides of the aisle yeah exactly so let me push back. I, 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 what you said was absolutely correct, but I, there's there's a, a pet peeve of mine in there. Um, mm-hmm. I watch a lot of uh, uh, kind of man on the street videos because I think they're interesting. Um, you know, they'll walk down the street in Hollywood and say, "Hey, do you know about whatever, whatever?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, "Well, I just feel that," and then answer the question. I just feel that right. a woman should have a right to choose. I just feel. Well, I don't care what you feel. I care what you think. There's right. a difference. I mean, well, of course, I do care what you feel. But there's a difference this isn't for you. About what you feel. This is, there's this a difference for you. There's a difference for you. For a lot of people, there isn't. What they feel is what they think. I think for a lot of people, they what the their emotional reaction to something is what they think. And in fact, I think that they have an emotional reaction to something they, that forms their belief. And then when they listen to news, they anything that reinforces what they feel is valid news and anything that doesn't reinforce what they feel they discard as as clearly not valid coming from propaganda perspective and that is therein lies the problem uh-huh because but i believe have that's not been taught how to think critically and the emphasis on think because that is a that is a lesson in school is how to think yeah and when i say how to think is how to um, you know, not be led by your emotions because you're going to be led down the, the wrong path. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, but I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that that's the case for the majority of people in the world is that that we we form an opinion based on an emotional reaction to something and that we either um, uh, agree with and 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 use as proof or discount and deny news or research that fits into that schema that we've created based on our emotional response to things. And I think that's how most people react. I think that's probably the natural way people react. And you have to train yourself to, to not do that. So, you know, I think of, you know, and I'll just pull out any random, Mm -hmm. you know, Donald Trump has committed genocide. And then you ask a person, Oh, that's terrible. When has that happened? And what happened? And where was that? Well, you know, I just, you know, he's, he doesn't like brown people or he doesn't like, okay, well, those are two different things. Right. Um, so where is he committed genocide? That's a pretty amazing charge. And I've actually heard right. that. Right. You know, well, we've got these, you know, kids in cages at the border. And I said, well, those, those were put in in 2014. I, I think it's terrible. We need to stop it. But it's not like Donald Trump put that in himself. Right. You know, and, and I'm not, I'm not an apologist for the president. I'm giving you an example. Right. Of, you know these people who will make these outlandish charges and be and 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 be well. This is a foregone conclusion. Right. I know this is true. All right. How do you know that's true? Right. Where well, the worst thing is, is somebody will make that charge and then somebody else will pick it up as a fact. Yes. You know? 
And so, well, yes. I heard it. I heard it on the news. It's, you know, that's what was going on. He did this. Yes. And you're like, wait, wait, what? How? Why? When? Yeah. Yes. People don't ask the how, what, why, when, and where questions very much. They just go, oh, wow, that happened? That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the people like Alex Jones, and there are um, conspiracy theorists all over the place on the left and the right, and some of them are, are have been discredited like Alex Jones, and some of them have not. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, this whole Russia collusion nonsense got, got a lot of traction, and he was impeached over all of that. Um, and it, there was no proof of it. It was just garbage. It was, oh, there's tons of proof. No, there's really not. Yeah. And so, you know, people will, they, they, you know, conspiracy theorists will take a nugget of truth and then, and then make outlandish leaps mm-hmm. in logic and judgment. Yeah. And it's dangerous. It's funny you bring that one up too, because I know there are people who will say, well, obviously there was, there was proof because the, the uh, House of Representatives impeached him. Oh, that was political. You know? Or they brought the the charges of impeachment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I but I know there are people who will say, well, the fact that they that they did that, they wouldn't have done that if there wasn't there wasn't uh, facts that they believed were uh, sufficient. And then you go back and you look, and it's like they were struggling to find what they were going to impeach him on. Even I mean, it was it well, was a. And in fact, Nancy Pelosi tried to, yeah, yeah, Nancy Pelosi tried to not have the impeachment, but she basically figured that she was going to lose her spot if she didn't go with the tide because the rising tide of anger on the Democratic side was such that she felt like she had to do it. Because initially she was like, no, we're not going to do this. There's nothing there. Um, Yeah. Look at the Kavanaugh hearing. Yeah. Which were, which, you know, people are still calling a rapist. There was literally no corroborating evidence, none, not one bit. And the man was, you know, just completely eviscerated on national television um, uh, because of of something that somebody said that it was it was a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or it could have been the truth, but there was no evidence. There's no way to know at this point. There's literally no no way to know. You know, well, I mean, you can believe it or not. I'm I'm just saying that that no evidence doesn't mean it it was a lie. It means there was no evidence, which means that there's no reason or basis in which to to accuse him of that or or to to, you know, um, hold him back from from getting that position because, you know, accusations do not make it true. Indeed. Used to drive me nuts and still does when, when and it's become a little less. But when the um, when the uh, Me Too thing was going really strong before the COVID, before the Black Lives Matter, before the I can't remember which thing we're enraged about right now. Um, but it, you know, they there was this sort of like, well, women wouldn't lie about that. Yes, they would. Baloney. Bullcrap. Women will lie about anything just like men will lie about anything. If the if the rewards are high enough, uh, if they believe that the benefit is 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 such that that that, that they um, uh, you know, uh, uh, will feel or get, get positives out of it on the back end versus the 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 and I'm air quoting if they're because if they're lying, they're they're making it up the the shame of 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 coming out. And I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I get that that I, I've never been in the situation, you know, uh, but I get that there might be a sense of shame. I don't understand understand why there should be victims should not feel shame. Victims should feel outrage and anger and and should be, uh, you know, but I, I get it. I get it. It's hard. Um, there's a lot of emotions there. But, um, you know, the idea that that a woman wouldn't lie about, you know, being uh, raped or molested is 
garbage. That's well, just take a look at the lacrosse, uh, the, the, the Duke University lacrosse team. Yeah. Um, they were accused of gang rape, God, 15, 10, 15 years ago. And mm-hmm. um, they were prosecuted and their names were dragged through the mud. Same Kicked thing out about school. There was a fraternity. No. Yeah, there was a fraternity at the University of Virginia had the same thing. Yeah. And in both cases, she the, the, the accuser was lying. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, the, the, the accuser comes out and apologizes and says, I'm sorry. I, you know, I was young and stupid and lied. And the other guys lie. You know, the other the people who, who, who were kicked out of school and prosecuted, their lives are ruined. They'll never have the life that they were going to have because of yes. that. You yes. know, and they're like, I just was playing lacrosse in college and being a kid. And, yes. and look what you did to me. And they'll never get that back. Yes. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. People don't lie. That's baloney. Of course they do. Yeah. There's no topic in which people won't lie about. And, and if you think that's the case, then, um, or, you know, that, that, that there's there's something that there's always so serious that nobody would lie about it. Then you're fooling yourselves. Yes. You know, um, people yes, will lie are. to their advantage. And, and, and sometimes their advantage is just getting attention or getting revenge on somebody. I mean, it's it, do, it doesn't take much. Uh, and some people there are people out there who lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth. They just yeah. lie. Yeah, just out of out of habit or out of intrigue or whatever uh it's 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 easy to do and and easy to get away with in a lot of cases unfortunately and when somebody else's livelihood or life or reputation is what's on the line then the cost to you is very low comparatively um and that's unfortunate it's unfortunate that there's just you know there are some incredibly unethical people out there um you know, and you just hope that you don't run up against one of them and then have to deal with with trying to to prove something didn't happen, you know, X number of years ago or that you didn't say something or that you, you know, it's easier to say I wasn't physically there sometimes, but sometimes that's not easy either. It's not like most of us keep a running log of where we are, um, although these days that's getting easier because we don't keep a running log of where we are, but thank goodness our phone company and Google and Facebook do. So... Um, <laughs> So, you know, you can pretty much track and say, hey, I was here, you know, <laughs> go subpoena the information from those locations and say, clearly, I was not anywhere near where you said I was because somebody's tracking me all the time. Uh, and that makes me sad, too. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. As it should. As it should. As it should. So, so. Um, Amazon, speaking of big companies that do wonderful things. Amazon is now being accused of meeting with startup companies about possibly investing in them and then launching competing products after they've met with them and looked at their books and looked at what their products make and looked at their manufacturing facilities and said, you know, we're, we're thinking about putting some money in to help you guys because we'd like to, uh, you know, make sure that your products are available on our, our, um, on, our, on our platform. And after they're done looking, then they just go home and make it themselves. That is slimy. That is so unethical, so unethical. And if true, um, I mean, I say that, and yet Apple and Microsoft sort of did the same thing. You know, Apple went to Xerox Park and looked at their stuff and said, we could do that better, and went and made a computer with a mouse and a graphical interface. And then, then Microsoft went to Apple, and Apple showed them this new interface so that they could then start building Word and Excel for the new new Mac that had not yet been launched and Apple went, that's a good idea. We could do that better. And they made windows. So they did it. You know, I mean, it's 
some of the things that we take for granted today as how a computer should work were based on that same sort of, of um, intellectual theft, which is horrifying but to the think. Problem, the problem is, is that um, Amazon, I think, is one of the big, well, I don't know if it is the biggest, but it's one of the biggest companies in the world. Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest man in the world, mm-hmm. and he's doing this to small businesses. That's not okay. Yeah. I would be careful to say, not say he's doing this. The company is doing this. We don't know what, you know, whether that was, I don't know how much, you know, it's a big company to tie that back. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he may not even be aware of it, and if he finds out about it, he may start firing people. Um, You know, I don't want to say that he has, you know, given his stamp of approval to this unethical behavior, and I'm sure if you asked him, he would say absolutely not. But, you know, don't know if you want to believe that or not either. But, but yeah, that, that kind of behavior is just so unacceptable you know in our um you know it's it the the one of the premises of our country is is that you know you or i or anybody could say hey i've got an idea for how something could be done better you can start a business and go out and make your way in the world right you can you can uh uh, have that rags to riches story with an idea and some hard work that's sort of the promise of america in a nutshell right i mean that's yes you can go do that and it's just to hear something like this where the deck is so stacked against you, right? It's like, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to go out and make some money. And, you know, some big company comes in and says, hey, you know, we're going to help you do this. And you go, cool, let me show you what I'm doing. Um, you know, and I, you would hope that they would be smart enough to have a non-disclosure. But even then, that doesn't protect you that much from companies like Amazon or, you know, one, you know big companies. Because... Because you have a non-disclosure, so you go hire a lawyer that costs you a ton of money to go enforce that non-disclosure if they try to cheat you like this. And they send in 50 lawyers from the biggest firm in the country that just keep you tied up in court or tied up in filing forms and stuff, essentially, till you run out of money. Yes. And, and, and then they go on their merry way and copy and steal from you. Um, I will say, by the way, the example I gave about the idea with the mouse and the graphical interface... Um, Xerox did have some patents on that, and then some fees were paid by both uh, Apple and Microsoft to Xerox for that um, uh, use of basically copying that that functionality. So it wasn't like um, Xerox got nothing out of it. But you know, we're talking about you know multiple big companies fighting amongst each other at that point in time, not not individuals or small companies, um, you know, small startups like uh, allegedly is going on here with Amazon. Um, yeah, I mean, if they're doing that, I hope they they get their hands smacked big time by the government. Because that's, again, we talk about what government's supposed to do and not supposed to do. That's one of the things where government's supposed to step in and say, wait a minute, that's unethical. That's not the way you're supposed to behave. Here's the laws that say that, and here's what we're going to do to you. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It uh, saddens me to hear that that this kind of thing might be going on. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the, the good news is, is that consumers have choices about where we can shop. And maybe, you know, people will hear this and decide to go to Walmart instead, although they've done their share of bad things, too. They the, have. The, we've, yeah. we've watched the disintegration of ethics. You know, it's it's almost as if people would say, if, well, if you're an ethical person, you're a sucker because, you know, you're going to lose. And and that that is where our country seems to be at the moment. And um, that really bothers me because if you you can't trust anybody, you know, you just assume that when a, you get into a contract with somebody that it's uh, especially mm-hmm. with these big companies that um, 
that they're not going to follow it or that they're that you're going to need to defend it in court. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's an example here where uh, a company called Nucleus had created a video chat device and Amazon came in and looked at their financials and talked about investing in the company and then decided not to. And then a few months later came out with the Amazon Echoes with a screen, the Amazon Echo Show that did the exact same thing. And so Nucleus sued them and basically got $5 million from them. So they at least got something out of that. They were able to prove Good. that that they, uh, you know, but that still doesn't mean that the, um, and they then took their product and basically focused it towards the medical industry. So they've got ways of doing like remote um, and adding security into it so that you can do like um, have conversations with distant uh, specialists uh, on Telehealth. a direct connect. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but they managed to work within HIPAA there so that they keep things secure, which you certainly wouldn't want to do with an Echo show because um, security is not uh, not at the forefront of having that Amazon Echo in your house. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just one example of, of, you know, bad behavior where you go in and say, hey, that's a good idea. Let's just go build one of our own. Um, <laughs> man, companies, I yeah. swear. You know, you yeah, get big and powerful. Okay. You get big and powerful, and somehow, you know, your ethics just get flushed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, the CDC apparently has rolled out some tools for um, reopening schools, um, which mm -hmm. is which is really good. I mean, you know, schools are opening in a couple of weeks. I we have like yeah. one week left this summer. Um, for many districts and then, you know, maybe two weeks or three weeks, depending, you know, at least in this area. Um, and so uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the CDC on Thursday released various virtual tools and guidelines geared towards assisting schools and educational staff around the country yeah. um, as in-person classes are set to resume. Now, in California, at least, they're not going to have in-person classes. Yeah, which the CDC also yesterday said that they think that they said that they felt like students should go back into the classroom. Like I said, I've got some concerns about how that maybe the kids aren't as nearly as nearly as affected, but that doesn't mean that their family members and that teachers and staff aren't uh, easily infected and perhaps at risk. But um, CDC has put out guidelines for cleaning and disinfecting classrooms, uh, for uh, and for a checklist for students and parents to make sure they have proper materials, um, and and not just you know crayons and pencils but but uh you know cleaning materials wipes and things like that um and that schools need to be prepared to provide those things for lower income um students so yes um you know which also just adds to the cost of running a school and so we'll see how that all plays out um and where that where those funds end up end up coming from well i've got to think that at least for for california that the decisions to what part of the decision to keep kids either wholly or, or partially, you know, partially or completely um, at home is has to do with money. Because if you have all of these these extra things that you're supposed to be doing um, mm -hmm. and, you know, that, that they don't have the capacity to to hire the extra people, to do the extra things. And so you have to think that, that money was part of that, that decision-making yeah. um, process. Yeah. No, I know there are schools that have, you know, one janitor for two or three schools, and so your room gets swept out once every two or three nights, you know, once or twice a week. And that doesn't include the time to spray down and wipe down desks and seats. And, and if you're at a high school or a junior high where kids get up and move from class to class, are you supposed to, like, have them line up outside but six feet apart 
while you then wipe down the classroom as a teacher, then who's monitoring the kids? You know they're not all standing six feet apart outside while you're wiping down desks. So how, how does that all work? You know, right. Uh, and they certainly aren't going to put up like plexiglass partitions between each of the desks in a classroom of, you know, between 30 and 40 kids. So, um, you know, at the most, you're going to have masks on. And how many of them are going to wear their masks on their chin like half the bozos at the grocery store do? <laughs> um, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. It's like, you know, that's not wearing your mask. You might as well put it on your elbow. Um, in fact, I in. In, in protest, I think when I go to the store, even though I'll have a mask on my face the correct way, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to put one on my elbow. And if anybody asks why, I say, because that's not wearing a mask. <laughs> Just like you. Um, you know. That's funny. Yeah. I was out. I, I went to the grocery store yesterday, and um, I saw three people wearing their masks off their nose. And um, uh, most people had it on and had it on correctly the vast majority, and one woman walking around with no mask. And I'm surprised somebody in the grocery store didn't say, ma'am, you need a mask or you need to leave. Um, but they didn't. She was walking around without a mask and didn't seem to care. You know, we're, we, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. Because I put it on, you know, we went to, um, met a friend for, for outdoor, went, went to a Chipotle and they had outdoor seating. And um, uh, as soon as we were done with our meal, I put my mask back on. And mm -hmm. because, you know, even if it even if it doesn't even if it doesn't do anything to the people that I'm sitting right with because they'd already been exposed, mm -hmm. it, 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 it gives a level of comfort to those around me who don't know me, you yeah. know, and are not nervous by why isn't she wearing a mask and, you know, all of that. You know what I mean? I think that that um, it is it is communicating to people that I think enough about you that I'm going to keep this mask on. Yeah, I care about the society at large, not just about myself. And so yes. I am going to be uh, compliant and uh, and behave in a rational manner as opposed to uh, those of you being outraged because somebody's asked you to wear a, a face covering, you know. They, for years, have had no shoes, no shirt, no service, and I didn't see you walking in naked to Taco Bell. So why are you complaining now? Yep. You so know? here is some interesting news. Um, in Fairfax County, Virginia, there is a school board that just decided to rename Robert E. Lee High School to Representative John Lewis High School. It's going to be the John Lewis mm -hmm. High School. I Which think I think that's, is really cool. Yeah, I think that's a great change. I think that's a uh, well, you know, kudos to them. Kudos to them because you couldn't. I can't think of a better name, and you know, and now's the time to be honoring a man who spent you know his life, um, you know, fighting for the rights of of people of color, and uh, you know, I mean, among other things, he he was, uh, um, you know, in Congress a long, long time. But uh, but I think he'll be remembered for. His, his efforts and um, you know when you see some of the videos of him as a 20 year old a 20 year old up there on the podium with Martin Luther King and you go oh my gosh what he has seen and the changes he's seen in this country yeah. and been part of making uh, you know and he was so young so young uh, to be up there with Changing those icons the world at 20. Yeah. When you think about 20 year olds now many of them are watching TikTok videos and playing video games <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know that yep. I was much different from the TikTok watching kids. Yeah, but, I was going to say we had we had our own version of TikTok, right? I, I can't <laughs> think of what it might have been, but uh, you know, 
You wore your doctors and had your collar turned up on your Lacoste shirt, you know. There you go. There you go. Oh, how preppy. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And had the, the wave haircut. Ah, <laughs> I, I never had the, the wave. Yes, I never had the wave haircut. I never went crazy with the hair. But uh, but I definitely had a few few Lacoste shirts and, and had a pair of uh, topsiders. And, you know... <laughs> So it's interesting. I found a picture from my senior year in high school, and um, in that picture, I had very straight hair that was pulled back, and and um, uh, you know, with, with like a, a wisp in front of me, like a like a on the fr- like from my bangs. So I didn't have bangs, mm-hmm. but um, like just a piece in you know framing mm-hmm. my face. Which I look at it now, and I'm like, oh, the hair looks really cute. But back in 1987, I was a freak because my hair wasn't big and poofy and kinky and curly and all of that. <laughs> like oh it looks great and i don't so i wasn't a cyclone sister i used to call them <laughs> yeah well it's funny because you know i guess i was just enough ahead of you uh in in high school that um i don't remember the girl's hair being teased up and stuff that much in high school and like i look at my yearbook and you don't see that so i think i was sort of on the front end of that because you know i graduated in 80 so um you know, I mean, realize 80 is one year removed from Saturday Night Fever. So right. it was definitely a transition time for me. Um, I guess maybe in college it was more, uh, a little bit more uh, hair work was done. But again, I hung out with swimmers, and so the swimmers didn't do a whole lot of hair work because it was all going to be drenched in chlorine, you know, a couple times a it's day. True. So it's it was, true. It was, um, you know, slightly different crowd that I ran with in terms of the, the, the athletes. But uh, but yeah, it was a weird time in terms of, of just uh, everybody's kind of personal look, wasn't it? Uh, it was, it, you know, and I, I would try on like a lot of kids. I would try on different styles and mm-hmm. and um, but I was generally nonconformist. Like even if, you know, even if I was because it's often defined by the music you listen to. Right. So, you know, even if I was really listening to a particular type of music, I wouldn't necessarily don all of. The, the garb so that you could recognize that I was into punk or that I was into ska or that I was into, you know, whatever yeah. the kind of music, um, new wave. And so, you know, I was kind of hard to pigeonhole and I'm still yeah. like that. Tobin had parachute pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, parachute pants and a members only jacket. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, God. my dad had a members only jacket so you know it it it, it moved around the the generational <laughs> look so oh god so here's another story three federal officers ha- are face permanent blindness after rioters shine lasers in their eyes i read about this yeah you know the, the, a lot of complaints about that um you know i've got a, a brother who's an air traffic controller or is uh Heading towards retirement, though, because they're rec- they're forced to retire, you know, at like fifty five. Um, but uh, that's a been a major complaint of um, for pilots is that people on the ground will shine strong, stronger than just laser pointer lasers at airplanes and blind Why? pilots and blind pilots because Why? they want to see they want to see if they can see the dot on the plane way up there because they're stupid and they don't think about the fact that there's people up there. Who can actually, you know, if they look down and look right into it, it actually burns your retina. Oh my God! So, mm-hmm. wow. 
Um, so Federal uh, Protective Service Deputy Director of Operations Richard Klein, that's a big title, said during a press conference this week that his department was the one that requested additional assistance from the DHS to protect federal facilities in Portland because they've been rioting for over a month now, I think almost two. Um, and so in describing one of the recent attacks, uh, he told reporters protesters were kicking the main doors at the courthouse and shining lasers at officers. A short while later, the group had grown increasingly violent and aggressive. The plywood protecting the courthouse was taken down and a window was broken while protesters were attempting to breach the courthouse. Several hard objects, including cans of food and glass bottles were thrown at, at the officers um, who were trying to protect the building. So um, when they, uh, the, the, so the rioters continued to throw hard objects and commercial grade fireworks at the officers and shine lasers at their eyes. Yeah. You know, and if you listen to the Portland mayor, she sounds like, you know, oh, these are just, you know, uh, they're just protesting. No, that's not protesting. Yeah. That's exactly. Violence. That's what I was that's thinking rioting. as you were saying. This is, you know, don't use the word protesters. That's rioting. That's that's a violence. That's attacking people. Yes. That is attacking with with, you know, with possibly even deadly force. I mean, if you're throwing, you know, 16 ounce cans of clean peaches at people, um, you know, that could that could hurt you. That could kill you if it hits you in the right spot. That's that's like throwing rocks, and you know, people have been stoned to death. That you got to yes. be careful. Yes. Yeah. That's that's just, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand why protesting has to become that. If you've got an issue, protesting is is you know constitutionally protected. You have the right to go out and protest. You have the right to gather. You have the right to be heard. You don't have the right to hurt other people. You know, your right to swing your fist ends at my nose. You know, you don't get yes. to, 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 to hurt other people. And, um, you know, the people who do that, I mean, I, I, get, I get that you get worked up. I get that you get angry. Um, control yourself. Be an adult. You know, it, it, because there are people out there, it's, you know, Portland's got a lot of them. They, they either want chaos for chaos's sake or they want to just overthrow the government. Um, and, uh, you know, sounds I, like an I, ideal place to move, right? Now, Portland is a beautiful place. It it's is beautiful. filled with crazy people, filled with people who enjoy being weird. And they, and here's the thing, like I said yesterday, they have the right to define the, the personality of their city. They don't have the right to be violent. Right. Yeah. They don't have the right to hurt other people. So, you know. Hey, um, so remember when President Trump talked about hydroxychloroquine and basically got skewered by the liberal press about saying that we should be using this more? Yes. Well, it turns out that treatment with the controversial drug hydroxychloroquine may have reduced deaths in hospitalized COVID-19 patients, according to results of a peer-reviewed study uh, by a group of New York researchers. Dr. Uh -huh. Dr. Tashika... Mikami and his team at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, New York, analyzed outcomes of 6,493 patients who had laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 in the New York City metropolitan area, and according to the article of uh, an article in the Journal of General Internal Medicine, the researchers found that hydroxychloroquine reduced mortality hazard ratio by 47 percent. Wow. 
You know, and at the time um, that they were doing all of that, I don't know if you recall, but I had pointed out or I found an article that said that that was now a stand, the, the standard for treatment in France. So yes, the French is. fairly quickly came out and said, yeah, this works. You just got to be careful because it has some heart issues. So the person has to be monitored. Don't just, you know, find some and start taking it. You need to be make sure that a doctor is is watching you carefully because it does have some nasty side effects such as death if it's not used right or in certain people. And so if you're sensitive to it, you need to be monitored. Um, but, yeah, turns out, yeah, it is actually, you know. Uh, a, a team at the Henry Ford uh, Health System in southeast Mich Michigan has reported in the in International Journal of Infectious Disease Thursday that a study of 2,541 hospitalized patients found that those given hydroxychloroquine were uh, much more likely to survive the novel coronavirus. The use of the hydroxychloroquine um, heavily promoted by President Trump, came under intense criticism uh, after an article last month in the medical of, uh, in the Lancet, raised alarms about the safety of the drug for treating COVID-19. And basically, it, we, we talked about that article when it came out, and, and it basically boiled down to they were just repeating the things that are, we already knew about hydroxychloroquine because it's been used for 30 years um, as a uh, uh, malarial drug. Yes, and I think they use it for rheumatoid arthritis, too. Right. So, I mean, it's been—it's not like it's something new. We know about the risks, and that's why they say you have to make sure that you're taking it under the supervision of a doctor because the doctors presumably know what to monitor and make sure that you're not getting a dose that's going to cause problems. And if you're having sensitivity to it and having some heart issues, they'll stop using it on you. Um, but it clearly, I mean, 47% is way beyond statistically significant, it clearly is having an effect on how severe COVID-19 is on uh, for some people. And that's, you know, again, people are jumping all over people on the other side of the aisle for political reasons, not for reasons of science or what really does and doesn't work. And I would hate to think that, you know, uh, my doctor, if I had COVID-19 and was in the hospital having breathing issues, would not use it because they happen to be of a liberal political slant as opposed to, um, you know, just being a good doctor. Yes. Like I, when I'm in the hospital, I don't care what your politics are. I want you to mm -hmm. treat me. Ninety percent of the time, I don't care what your politics are. I'm happy to talk about it with you, but I don't care. You know, I don't care if you disagree with me. That's fine. You're ha I, in fact, I enjoy that you disagree with me because that makes for a better conversation. You know? When, when we talk together and we all agree and everybody's going, uh-huh, 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 that's pretty boring. That's pretty dull. It is. Exactly. You know? I like good conversation. I like interacting with people. You know, that's why I do this, because we get to talk every day. And, you know, and you and I agree on a lot, but we don't agree on everything. And, and you know, that, what, that's what makes the world go round. I mean. Indeed. Indeed. And our, for as far as a doctor is concerned, my politics and is none of my business and his politics is none of my is not. My politics is none of his business, and his politics is none of my business. Yeah, say so your politics are your business. That's kind of the right. whole point. It's <laughs> by definition. Oh, it's I so funny. Every once, every, every once in a while, we just remind ourselves that we do this in the morning, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my.
my goodness. You know, I, I had a cup of coffee this morning, as I usually do with the show, and uh, I was getting low of the coffee that I had, and I went to go buy some more. And I, I, um, I know that there's those who are going to go, oh, my gosh, she uses K-cups, and they put them in the landfills, and they're awful, and they're awful. I have a Keurig. I make a cup of coffee. My wife doesn't drink coffee at all. It makes no sense for me to make a pot of coffee and throw it all away. So I make a cup of coffee a day with my Keurig. And the coffee that I have liked is a, uh, a Newman's own medium blend, medium roast coffee. And can't find it anywhere. Uh, so I bought. Oh, no. Yeah, well, welcome to COVID, right? There's limited supplies of things. So you have to f- deal with replacements. I, I bought this uh, donut shop coffee from Green Mountain at, uh, at uh, one of the club stores. I really like it. I actually enjoy it. Oh. it. Has it has just a little bit less bitterness. It's a little smoother because you know coffee. Uh, I drink it plain. I drink it black. So um, you know, it, sometimes there's just a little bit of a bite to some coffees, especially if you get a darker roast, which to me just tastes burnt. When we were in Hawaii and we visited the coffee um, uh, plantation in Kona, uh, one of the things that they told us there was that uh, that you know good coffee drinkers drink medium roast. That if you drink dark roast, you're basically drinking burnt coffee yes so, i actually like blonde uh, roast so i like you know. that, that which has the lightest roast right um and and so if i go to starbucks i always get their blonde roast because their regular roast or even their medium roast to me tastes burnt right and i don't want i don't want to drink burnt coffee yeah well and starbucks in particular has has a reputation for having kind of a burnt taste to their coffee i mean even their their medium roasts are, are darker than some and have a Kind of, I think it's because they roast really fast. They don't do a slow roast because of the qual- the volume that they that they try to crank out. So they do a very fast roasting methodology. But, um, but excuse me, that's what the 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 folks at the plantation in, in Kona basically boiled down to is is like the 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 um, coffee aficionados will will generally pick a medium roast. But you know, you pick whatever you like. We we sell all of them and we'll roast them up for you any way you want uh, because. You know, you you're the ultimately the one you have to please, right? <laughs> what who am I exactly. to tell you what tastes good to you? Uh, so, um, anyhow, I uh, had a pleasant cup of coffee this morning. Pleasant surprise that the um, Green Mountain Donut Shop coffee was pretty dang good. I uh, I'm pleased awesome. with that purchase, and a good thing awesome. too because you get seventy little cups in that big box. So, <laughs> and if you didn't like it, you'd have a problem. I'm going to be drinking it for you know the next quarter of a year, <laughs> well, <laughs> seventy days, you know, two and a half months. Uh, if I one cup a day, so, so anyway, we are completely out of time. Yeah, that's where I was going. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us on Back from the Brink. We'll be back on Monday. I'm Woo-hoo. Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great weekend, everybody.